You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, and author of a new book, Auction Ready, How to Buy Property Even Though You're Scared Shitless. And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner and mortgage broker. And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website, as well as download our free pool or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? TheElephantInTheRoom.com.au Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp. And we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking. Have you ever thought about renovating an apartment? It can't be too difficult, right? Just some fresh paint, carpet, new kitchen, a bathroom or two. But where do you start? Do you need to get council approval or strata approval or both? How do you get material in and out? Are there restricted working hours? Will you be still friendly with your neighbours afterwards? It doesn't take long before what seemed like a very simple upgrade turns into a mammoth logistical problem. And so how do you go about a strata renovation? Well, today we're going to find out and we're going to also uncover a whole bunch of pitfalls. In this episode, we pick the brains of renovation expert Justine Bennett. Justine has had many years' experience as a project manager and spatial specialist, creating workplace solutions across government and private corporations and on the residential side as a mentor empowering individuals to unlock untapped potential, particularly within strata properties. Thank you for joining us, Justine. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Justine. Um, I'm actually really excited for this episode because, um, you know, as listeners would probably know, uh, Veronica and I are lovers of older style boutique Art Deco apartments and not the new stuff. And um, I'll even go the 1960s mm. red brickers. Yes, yeah. exactly. Great. Okay, let's Solid. keep it simple. Um, but those those apartments, obviously, you know, they were bought you know, built, you know, 40, 60 years ago. And, um, you know, you can add a lot of value to them and, you um, a lot of people just don't understand the process to do it. So what are some of the elements that you have to go through before you consider renovating a strata property? Well, any strata property, you know, it's it really comes down to whether it's a property that you've newly purchased or you're going to purchase. Obviously, your due diligence on everything from, you know, your normal due diligence process with location. But it's also, from a strata point of view, it's it's really looking at the, the holistic, the whole block as well. To before you've even in, looked at engaging, at, you know, doing a strata plan check, um, it's really just looking at physically looking at the block. And a lot mm. of people don't even, they just walk in, they go straight to the apartment and they go, right, what could we do? Without actually walking around, looking in the common spaces, what's the, what are the maintenance issues? What's being done? Mm. What's not? Clearly it's a, it's a pretty easy indicator to go to, go to a block that's in a fairly poor state of repair to think there's possibly no money in the in the capital funds fund mm. um, or it's just it could be poorly managed or the strata fees are so low that, you know, it, they've just never built up enough. Um, so I suppose it's really, it's the due diligence process, even, even if you already own in the block or, you know, I do a lot of work, I have done for investors as well as owner-occupiers. So they've got a bit of a different feel as to what they want to do with the block, you know, whether it's for a rental return or whether it's your home. So... But regardless, it all comes down to planning. So it's it's planning everything from the access, you know, how you get your materials in and out. You know, there's limitations with lifts, with um, uh, stairwells, you know, you know, it just simple things like, you know, people just think even when they're moving in, you know, they move in with th- three metre long lounges now yeah, how's and it? they can't get them in, yeah. you know. Um, and or so where do the bricks get delivered? That's or, right. Or, you know. It's taking deliveries. Yeah. It's the storing of things. You know, you're lucky if you've got a garage on site. Um, some don't. Um, some don't have parking, you know, common property. You, often they won't allow you to jump, you know, skip bins. So you've either got to move the rubble in and out daily if you're mm. doing a full job. Mm. You know, sometimes a cosmetic quick makeover, like a paint job or, you know, replacing carpet, they can be fairly straightforward. Oh, yeah. But obviously it's when you're doing the full strip out, rebirthing the whole place, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's when obviously your, your planning's crucial and but communication. Let's break it down a little bit. So painting and recarpeting, for instance, you wouldn't need to get strata approval for that, would you? 
Generally not. Um, sometimes if you're taking the carpet up to then do a floating floor, which is mm. obviously what most people want to yeah, do now, yeah. um, some stratas have still got bylaws in that won't allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's quite funny. I've worked in buildings where we've pulled the carpet up and the original flooring was beautiful parquetry yeah. that they <laughs> wow. covered <Awesome>. over. <laughs> and so the strata was saying, no, 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 you can't put floating over that. And we said, but the original is timber. So more that's more a noise issue for And that's um, actually for, really quite common in these Art Deco particularly apartments. The, uh, the Deco ones had, had the cypress pine yeah. boards, which, yeah. were rare, which were never meant to be seen, really. No. They were always carpeted. And the cypress pine termites don't like. So, and it was a cheap timber and it was prolific and they could grow it quickly and, and it was right through a lot of homes as well. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the sort of post-war 40s homes as well have all mm. got the cypress. You know, everyone then turned around, pulled the carpet up. Polish you know, the polish the floorboards away you go. Um, yeah. But in in a lot of the um, the a lot of the deco blocks too, there's no there's not a lot of insulation mm. between the floors. Yes. So the carpet was possibly you know one of the last barrier between the timber. So once you do open that up, you know the the noise yeah. transfer, particularly in that deco sort of thirties. And that's why building. the bylaw exists because of you know that they don't want their neighbours to be kind of ripping yeah, up the carpet. Yeah, look, it's just, it's, and not, not everyone, it's just, I mean, there's a general bylaw, obviously in the, in the bylaws about noise transfer, but then some blocks have gone down that road of actually putting in special bylaws of no hard floor surfaces. But a lot of the time, if people really want to push it, it, it gets through, you mm-hmm. know, tribunals often t- overturn that if you want to go down that road. And, but um, I've found, I haven't really come up against that in, in a while. So. Well, properly installed, obviously, you know, you can put battens in and insulation between the floating floor and the original floor. Yeah, and you so use the thicker acoustic underlay, the yeah. thickest, you know, grade you can possibly get. Yeah. So that makes that makes a world of difference. Which mm-hmm. is but it's funny, though, because when you see a property advertised and you'll see, it, you know, original floorboards is actually a feature, mm-hmm. you know, because totally. it's a lot more character than a floating floor. Totally. Um, but there are some great floating floors around now. Mm. You know, some of them, you, you know, it, this, we've got so much choice. We're pretty lucky in that respect. So. And that's a good point because materials are always changing, right, and renovations. So sometimes there's this kind of dilemma of do I renovate today or do I renovate in five years' time because things could be better. If you find that that's kind of, have you noticed that the materials have changed dramatically over the Look, years? I think, I think, oh, definitely. But I think in in most cases, it depends on the pro- the value of the property and and what it's used for. Mm. You know, you may put in if it's your home and you know, and it's a two million dollar apartment with a view yep. at you know at Double Bay or somewhere like that. You're possibly going to want to put real timber down. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, if it is a rental and there's going to be turnover, you know, a lot of a lot of um, rentals they'll put carpet back down over timber mm. because it, sometimes it's easier wear and tear mm. on, on, than on the timber so and also noise and things like that for neighbours. So. And costs it's cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> often, yeah, and quicker to mm. put back in. And um, so if the bathroom, if the carpet and the painting doesn't need kind of strata approval, what are some of the things where, you know, strata are going to get a bit upset? Well, generally, I mean, you know, and obviously I'm not, I'm not a um, lawyer, but generally you only, when you own a strata apartment, you only own the airspace. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people From and the I paint in pretty much, yeah, yeah. and that's what I get. Uh, I've always got a lot of that. You know, but I can do anything. I own it. And it's like no, you don't. Mm. So we've done a lot of the old '60s vermiculite yeah. ceilings, which some have asbestos fibers in them, and mm. some don't. So you know, you, they soak. If you you can paint them, they soak up a lot of yes. paint, <laughs> masses and masses of paint, yeah. um, and they're pretty ugly. But they were done because they were hiding sins of variations in concrete and, and also mm-hmm. a bit of an aesthetic thing and they just went, look, that'll do. It'll be a bit of a decorative feature. It's a sometimes, fire, sometimes fire retardant it's as well. Fire yeah. rating. And, no, and noise. And insulation. Noise. yeah. But they're ugly. So a lot of people yes. just walk in and go, great, I'll just drop a ceiling below it mm. and that's fine. Mm. But strata can have an issue with that because you're actually attaching to the ceiling. Yeah. So Which is common property. Which is common property. Not yours. So, yeah. so then they think, is it damaging that? Um some people you can you can effectively in some places do plaster skimming on mm-hmm. on vermiculite. You need a really good plaster to do it to get a smooth surface. Um, but it's you know the easiest and the most cost effective is to you know drop a ceiling, batten it, and, mm. and put a, a ceiling in. But again, so it, that's why I think we've come full circle in probably for me in the last sort of ten or twelve ten years at least. I've really noticed that 
a lot of people did probably get away with a lot more of just going in, renovating, right. doing stuff, maybe even yep. longer than that. But then a lot of buildings caught up and went, hang on, because building, because the, the, um, the apartments were unsold mm. and then the problem started. So new people were buying a newly renovated place and then the bathroom starts leaking and then they go to Strata and go, oh, you've got to fix it, the new owners. And the, the, the body corporate say, well, it's not original. It's not our, it's not our problem. You're the owner. Mm. So they used to, there was a few argy-bargies of people trying to take Strata to make sure that they did the repairs and, and not knowing. And I think that's a big part of that is two people don't know the, the Strata laws themselves. Yeah, and... In, I've always wondered too in a building. So you know, quite often I might look at it in an apartment and I think, oh, look, you know, there's this huge big laundry and potentially it's right next to a bedroom, for instance. You you know, punch a hole in the wall, maybe turn it into an ensuite, maybe put a washing machine in the kitchen. You know, you start sort of thinking about how you can repurpose these spaces, and um, you know, and, and in particular with plumbing, because of course you've got somebody under you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's got to be falls <clears throat> for the the drainage totally. and the waters and the sewer and all that sort of stuff. I always wonder about, and yeah, you do see apartments that are reconfigured with kitchens are put in living mm. rooms and, and I think you've got one on your website where yes. I think the kitchen was moved yeah, into the living yeah, room. Yeah, just telling and, Chris about yeah, that. Yeah, and so then great. you create two bedrooms and I often see opportunity like that and certainly with Art Deco apartments quite often you'll see. Best. Yeah, where they've got the living room really should be a bedroom and, you know, like in terms of just working, reworking the, the space, reorganising the spaces. Yeah. So what do you do with plumbing? How do you work that out? Because you can't necessarily stick on the outside of the building, can you? Well, in that case, the one on my website, we did. Mm. We, were, but we, we were literally, it was a building that had a common wall that we could hide the plumbing so nobody could see it. You know, it was sort of on, a, on almost a, a boundary wall and the strata were fine with it. So, yeah, the, um, when we moved, we moved the kitchen along a wall. Um, mm. So we literally only had to move the hot and cold pipes and the gas. Right. You know, well, the gas actually stayed in, in the location because it was already on that side of the building. Mm. So we were lucky that the location was just next to the original kitchen and the kitchen was enormous. Mm. So it became a second bedroom and, and we then created a sort of a, a you know, galley-style um, kitchen living space um, and so we were lucky that we were able to do that. But yeah, the, the thing is that, you know, regardless of whether or not there was a water leak and the, and the dishwasher burst, mm. it would have burst over the bedroom of the yeah. place downstairs anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think more of bathrooms, you know, like, yeah. so for instance, you want to create a, an ensuite out of a laundry, like I was just sort of mm. giving that example, yeah. and you got to get a toilet in there. And yeah. toilet waste and, and yeah. you know, well, then how, do, how do you do that? Do you build a platform but then you you got headspace? And well, it depends a, on yeah. where mm. where the plumbing is and where the stack is or the, you know, the, the waste pipe yep. that runs through, you know, generally runs through the building. Mm. Depending on the size of the building, there's obviously a few if it's a big building. But accessing that, you know, is obviously that's paramount and that's what I come across a lot um, yep. is people just saying, oh, I'm just going to whack an ensuite in yep. there or I'm going to move that to there and it's like, well, and A, you can't do it well, physically mm. and it'll overcapitalise apart from anything else. But it's also um, strata won't approve it, yep. yeah. you know, because then, yeah, it, it is that fact of you could then have, is it a flushing toilet over the top of someone's bedroom? Because mm. obviously not all floor plans <laughs> are identical, yeah. you know, above and below. Yeah, so moving walls. I mean, I've had lots of clients who have uh, moved walls and created third bedrooms. Um, I've had ones that have knocked out walls that... You know, I've created a really big one-bedroom apartments that they could always put the wall back if they have a baby. Yeah. Um, you know, that's... <laughs> well, you know, opening that... up the kitchens is a, is a big one, particularly it in those is. 1960s blocks where they've got these little tiny surveys and quite often people open up the walls. Yeah. And that but, can be a good and bad thing because well, all of a sudden you've got nowhere to hang your um, cupboards. Well, that's right. You, you lose a lot of storage. Mm. But also there was a, there's been a big trend, and I've done this a lot with investors when I was working with some buyers agents, and we were always putting... A, dish, a washing machine into the kitchen, into the new kitchen, next yep. to the dishwasher, washing machine, because instead of having to go down, you know, mm. 10 flights mm. of stairs to a common laundry or something like that. And so it was an uplift for, and that's yep. what the renters wanted. Um, so in that case, if you, and so I used to have this back and forth sometimes with the builder, because it's like if we, if we open it right up as one big room and you're trying to watch a Netflix special 
and you've got your washing machine on the spin cycle, you can't hear. <laughs> so it actually, it becomes, yeah. a, and the builder would just say, but oh, it doesn't matter, this is what mm. this is what we do and we'll just do it. And Who cares? Like, but from a practical point of view, <laughs> it, it does, it's it's not practical. Um, I suppose that's where I guess I with Netflix it. you can always put it on pause, can't you? Well, that's right, until it's said it's a bit inconvenient. <laughs> but a lot of, and some, and some cultures actually don't like the kitchen being open to yeah. the living space. From smell transfers, or you could be cooking, mm. you know, on a big cooking fest for the week ahead, or in, in someone else is trying to watch them or work in in the living room or whatever mm. it might be. So there is a bit of a, I think the school's out a bit. It can obviously look amazing and it opens up the space and you get more light reflected. Yeah, but I don't know. This day and age, the block I currently live in at the moment, I mean, the, the amount of Uber Uber Eats deliveries is phenomenal. I don't yeah. even know if half the people are cooking. Yeah. Anymore, so well, it's making all the restaurants bankrupt. But let's we'll that's leave right. That. Oh, according yeah. to a ridiculous <laughs> article in the Herald this week, uh, uh, go direct, go direct. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I've you know just recently a client was going to buy this apartment in Dremoyne, and um, you know they said, Chris, what can we do? You know, it's got these great ideas. We want to move the um, the kitchen near the view, you know, which makes sense when mm-hmm. you're cooking, and yeah. it was in an awkward place at the back, and all. Sh- and I was like, a great idea, but I'm like, I'm not sure if that's possible, you know, because. It's not like just, Minecraft. Yeah. Yes, or Lego. Exactly. Well, it's not <laughs> yeah. like a house, is it? You know, no. like a house you can kind of get underneath and you can do everything yeah. you want. But, you know, to move the kitchen is a big problem. And then mm. what do you got? And then so it was, you know, it kind of it made a lot of sense and they were very excited about it. And then I think when they start looking at the strata, I just realised just, just, it just wasn't possible. Um, and, you know, if it was possible, I think a lot <clears> of these apartments would be amazing for that because you know, people would just renovate yeah. them, wouldn't they? You it's know? just that the, inconvenience of services and drainage. Well, yeah. it is. And look, the, the deco ones, they possibly have been the ones with the best scope because, mm. you know, they've got the high ceilings, you know, they've mm. got the versatility, they're double. And they were well built. Like a, a lot of them sort of right through to the 60s and, that, mm. the, and 80s, they've been well built and they're solid. And they do um, tend to have their plumbing on the outside walls too. That's they? right. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. the deco ones particularly, mm. it was all on the outside yeah. and mm. it was all either through the cavity, the side, the, the brick cavities or you, you had the ability to pull up some of the floorboards, yeah. mm. but then then you sort of move into that 60s range where they're solid concrete slabs. Mm. So that's when you've got a few more restrictions. So that's why the deco ones have been easier mm. to manipulate some of the, the services, I suppose. Um, like old cars, right? You want to work on totally. an old engine. It's pretty easy. It's all pretty simple. You go to a new car now, it's all electronic and it's too hard many, to know what's going wrong. Things, yeah. It's like the buildings, Yeah, you're you know? not a mechanical engineer. You have to be a computer engineer now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Well, they did, and I was saying that to Chris earlier, that the, um, the, the Deco ones, a lot of them didn't even have power points in the bathrooms. Because oh, really? in the 30s, there weren't shavers, hair dryers, yeah. and you yep. said iPhone chargers and, and anything else <laughs> in bathrooms. So, you know, I've done that a lot. We've had to add I a lot. I thought of that. But, yeah. yeah. It I, wasn't... And, and I can't believe I haven't noticed that. There you yeah. go. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Well, it's yeah. funny. We had a property we've got in Melbourne. The light switch isn't working. And now mm. property manager sent us an invoice yesterday for like $700. And she wants to replace it to like heritage light switches and things like that. And I'm like... I don't think we need heritage light yeah. switches. Just it, go for the cheap. We just wanted to work. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was quite funny. But um, you know, these older apartments, how you know you've got to have every heritage to keep the value, and it's uh, you know, yeah. trying to keep the the things. What are some of the um, I guess the quirks that you know going into roof space? Um, I mean, one of my clients is you know I guess trying to take ownership <clears throat> of the common courtyard um, right. with a bit of a trade going on in the building. You know, yeah. what are some of these things that you've seen with these type of older apartments where you can get real uplift. Um, oh, look, the and there's a lot of people that have done it mm. and a lot of people that are doing it. And then there's a lot of buildings that have got so much scope to do it. Yeah. Um, that it's just done really untapped potential because, mm. um, and it's win-win, you know, the person who's applying for the common property and it's usually, it depends on the block, whether they do it exclusive use or they actually purchase it. Yep. I think if you're going to build into it, <clears throat> That's You'd right. Want to purchase you it. want to purchase yeah, it. Yeah. Most most lawyers would say mm. you need it on title. Yes, um, but that then changes the unit entitlements yep. for everyone else, and it's a bigger process, and it's and a you costlier have to pay process. For it. Yeah, it's a lot more. You know, a lot more professionals involved to change titles and all that sort of thing. Um, it's a good point though, because <clears throat> on title and common and exclusive access, they're all different things, right? You know. Well, yeah, it is, and it's a different thing because it's it's how you and I'll use the block that. I am currently living in that we've got, you know, there's the four top units have got access to roof space. We can all 
Now, the only way to in through the roof space is through each of the bathrooms of those four apartments. So nobody else in the block can ever get mm. into that roof space. Mm. So that then changes the valuation point of view as to, well, nobody can, else can access yeah. it in the building. But we've also, we're going through the same process where one of the owners is looking to purchase a section of the courtyard on the ground floor. Mm. But it's also where the common clotheslines are and it means that all 12 lots in the block can actually use that space. Mm. So it's then, well, is it detracting from the common space? In our, in our respect, it's a great thing because it's, it's a great injection then of money into our, into our yes. capital fund because mm. we need to do some, some other, other works and it means then we don't have to raise a special levy. So mm. everyone's happy as long as we get the valuation and the process right. It's yeah. a hard one because, you know, most people got no idea about value. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a good idea about value. I'm a property specialist. However, mm. even me looking at a building like that, thinking there's so many variables in terms of considering the valuation. Yeah. Definitely have to have a very good valuer to yeah. do that. And a lot of our listeners will understand that, you know, if you are going to buy an apartment that, you know, we do, you know, agree that, you know, a lot of the older style apartments are better, but are they without their problems? Like what are some of the problems that these older apartments have you know, things like concrete cancer and other things. that Yeah, look, it, depend, it depends on location as well. Obviously, you know, we've got a lot of apartments the whole way around the Australian coast. So they do, you know, they do take on salt and, and exposure and salt and wind and all that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, as with everything, it's, it's the normal building life cycle, whether it's a home or a strata apartment that, you know, they all go through phases of maintenance um, and waterproofing, depending on who did the build and when the build was done, was was sometimes non-existent. Um, so sometimes, you know, if the, it's the, non-existent, or it was just a little patch of a waterproof type membrane under the shower, and that right. was about it. Right. Yeah. Um, but then over time, those membranes they wear down. Mm. You know, um, tiles. The you know the water goes through people flood bathrooms, do all sorts of things over the life cycle of a property, yeah. particularly in bathrooms is obviously the waterproofing issue. And then obviously down through pipes wearing out and the copper, you know, disintegrating and joins and things that go then into mm. the wall cavities and then build, you know, bedroom wardrobes start getting mouldy oh. and things like that. And, yeah. and then it gets into the floorboards because nobody knows it's been leaking through the wall and through the mm. skirting and that sort of thing. So that is a problem. you uncover a lot of that usually when you generally when you start renovating and you, you know, you're, you're pulling out the bathroom and then you start thinking you, you see the damage then in the adjoining room or the adjoining floor or whatever it may be. Or often it can also arise from the water going through into apartments below. And that's when it's first noticed because people start noticing, you know, the, the ceiling in the bathroom below is starting to stain or. But the strata report doesn't always show these problems, right? No. You, you know, like a lot of these, no. like if I read the strata report and I get that checked, and I looked at the sinking fine, if that's all okay, I can buy it. Is that, would you do that or would you get your own look, there's building invest or. You look, there's a, there's a, I suppose there's an element of, um, you know, with anything, with anything you're buying, it's always buyer beware. Um, but there's, you know, and there's, depending on the age of the building, um, obviously we won't talk about the current new builds because that's a whole other yeah. problem. But but the the old ones were fairly solidly built. Mm. Um, but again, they're not, they're not, they don't, they also have, have come with their problems over the years. But generally, you know, if they were a pretty much a, a brick and concrete structure or the old deco ones, which were brick and tile and, and mm. timber, they were pretty good, but it's just obviously over time. There's just a wearing down of of um of and water. It it just travels. You know, yep. it's the biggest it's the biggest <laughs> yes. issue. Yeah. Um and yep. roof, you know, roof problems. Um, there was a lot of, you know, change in probably the eighties where a lot of roof lines mm. and new development or well, developments at that time, they did the flat roofs. And then the waterproofing, you know, of on flat roofs is a whole other, you know, problem as well. That's 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 you know, so there's a lot of I suppose rectification works that are coming down the pipeline for a lot of buildings, mm. and and they're only as good as managed, I suppose, as, as how how good the strata funds managed, and and how good the owners are, and mm. that's what I find in in a lot of good blocks. It's because the owners are really invested in, in yeah, in, and the, you know it's a big asset to have. It makes a big difference, and also having a you know a high proportion of owner occupiers in there versus investors. So. Yeah. You know, when different investors are 
have different levels of involvement in their buildings and and also different investors are different, you know, calibre of landlords. So if you've yeah. got a crappy landlord and you're a totally. crappy tenant and there's a leak, you know, the amount of times I've seen properties where the tenants haven't even bothered telling the, you right. know, the property manager or they have told them and nothing's been done and so therefore other stuff just happens and then they finally move True. out because the place is covered in mould. They don't, they don't yeah. care. And it's like they're faced with all this damage. Mm. But outside their apartment... Often elsewhere in the building had no idea that there were problems. Yep. That's right. You know, yeah. so so it is a it's an interesting thing with this whole strata report because a lot of it could be completely, you know, well the the a lot of the owners could be oblivious to some of the problems that are in some of the yeah, apartments. Yeah, or they're they're actually dealt with through the property manager. If it mm. is if it is a tenant, you yeah, know, if there's yeah. a constant leak until something dramatically, you know, is raised to actually that strata has to step in and either rectify, particularly mm. if it's an original bathroom, that's still strata's um, obligation. So, it's you know, that's point. where it's minuted. But Yeah, around the kind of owner-occupier versus the investor. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's, you know, it's quite hard to figure that out. What isn't really is it you can, if there's eight in the block, you could pretty much easily figure out whether, you know, 60% are owner-occupiers or, you know, six or seven of them are, you know, you can just literally jump online, right, and search the addresses and use RP data to, to basically see have they been up for rent, when were they bought. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, it, absolutely. It you might take 20 the, minutes. You can but, also read the minutes of all the AGMs and the EGMs and quite often there'll be reference to tenants or or, yeah. or whatnot. And also you'll see the people that actually attend the AGMs and the EGMs mm. typically are owner-occupiers, not always, but yeah. often are owner-occupiers and you see the same names, you know, yeah. and so there's certain clues that you can you can track down. I find the best way often is if I'm looking at a building or working on a building for someone is to actually speak to other people in the block. You in can the do that too. And that's <laughs> a great way because you really do, because everyone wants to tell their story, so mm. they're always happy to say, oh, yes, we're proud there's 10 out of 20 owners and, and you can usually tell too. There's always someone, you know, if, if it is a, a block that's that's maybe got some long-term owner occupiers, you know, they're usually fairly garden proud and, mm. and, and often, you know, fairly proud of, of the asset. It can be um, bad too, you know. That's right. <laughs> it, it, it can, they, can be, they can be difficult to deal with yes. when renovating because they, they want obviously not to happen or the noise is an issue. And that's possibly my other biggest thing is communication is, you know, you're planning, obviously, mm. when, when you're in your planning phase, pre-renovation, but communication's equally as important to, um, because also, too, you find out so much more about the building mm. and where services are, because not everything's standardly placed, you know, mm. in, and over the years things change. There's so, often no plan. No. Well, there's, you know, or it varies from the, from the plan, and I've just experienced mm. that with the NBN install in the block that I live in and, and own in. And they were coming on site and that was only just because I walked out one morning and saw them and said, what are you doing? You know, and they said, oh, we're here to do the NBN. And, and they were planning just to run cables through the common stairwell yep. on the outside, <laughs> yeah. literally, and just conduit them. And I said, well, actually, now that I've spoken to you, we need to discuss this a little further. So yeah. we've come to it. But it took it took three months of that process and, and quite a bit of time. But we've got a better result. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, I think sadly a lot, a lot of the NBN install has been, obviously it's a government rollout and everything else, but there's been a lot of poor drilling through concrete oh, yeah. slabs and things yeah. that uh, have now been exposed. The people so, who just walked out and found the NBN's been, you know, they've got a big white box out yeah, the front installed. of the building. It's just installed and they're yeah. like, hang on a minute, how did yeah. this happen? Yeah, so, you know, and, and you, you hope there hasn't been building damage. But, um, and, but, you know, you can't be sure. So the elephant in the room is 100% for you. The reason that Chris and I do this podcast is because we passionately believe that property buyers can do it better. We really want to help all of you understand all the risks, but also the ways in which you can avoid your elephant making the decisions. But what we would love for you to do is just to share this episode and share other episodes with people around you that are going through the property process. Just by you sharing our episodes, you're really helping us. Give us a review on iTunes. A five star, please, would be very appreciated because this is about making sure that we all benefit from the wonderful information that our guests have been sharing with us. Those dictator types that you mentioned there where they are a bit controlling in the building, they feel like that well, it one. is their building. <laughs> they're actually kind of a good type to see though, aren't they? You know, someone needs to be that kind of person always watching things a little bit. You know, I guess 
Yeah, you know? it depends on the complexity of the building and the size of the building. Mm. You know, obviously, you know, you 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 four four apartment blocks are fairly well easily run. You mm. know. Um, but I did. But a, if there is one problem and you've only got four owners, and that, right. that that person has a twenty five percent impact or yeah, more absolutely. disproportionately yeah. high impact. Yeah, absolutely. But generally, I mean, and, and still a lot of those mm. are still self managed as well. Um, you know, self managed strata funds. You know, because it's been easy to do. Oh yeah. Um, which that can be problematic mm. as well, depending on how well it's run. Um, but I did a couple of years ago a renovation in a Surrey Hills tower block and it's, you know, I think it was 58 apartments. So pretty heavy duty, mm. lifts, security cameras, pool, you name it, there was dramas. And it was an on-site building manager who was literally, so every move you made, he would appear. Yeah. <laughs> so he was my best friend because he had to be. He, his they, job. Because they locked, <laughs> he locked several tradies out because he, it was all through swipe access and things oh, like God. that. He cut lifts off, you know, but... So we had to toe the line and, and do a lot of extra things probably on that one that, I've, that we ha- haven't done on others. But and we had to pay, um, you know, um, fee for common property in case we damage common property. Mm. You know, we had to pay a bond. I think it was about three or $5,000, which was the owner had to do, which was fine. Isn't the council as a footpath um Levy? Yeah, the footpath levy for councils yeah. is mm. the equivalent. It's like the yeah. footpath, you know, the internal footpath. But that was, you know, that sort of thing. So those buildings can be way more complex, mm. um, you know, and, and just logistics, you know, using lifts, you know, the amount of people moving in a block of 58 yeah. at all times and moving and in and out. There's always someone renovating and always someone moving. But those blocks, they do tend to have procedures. So it's yeah. actually really clear, isn't it? They say, well, this is what you do if you want Pretty to renovate, much. which yeah. is a lot easier because then, you know, they'll tell you, well, when you need to get the approval with Strata, when you need to get counsel, when you need to, however, yeah. get your bylaw done and all those sorts of things, as opposed to other buildings where they have no procedures, no. the Strata manager may not be very organised and mm. individual buyers don't know what order to do things or individual no, owners, right. I should say, don't know what order to do things in. That's so right. let's, for instance, like, um, getting a bylaw, you have to get that voted in at an AGM, is that correct? Yeah, look, or, I'm not sure. I'm not specifically sure if it has to be an AGM or if it's a special meeting of like an executive committee. Which right, is, uh, yeah. You know, um, but even then calling a meeting, there's a cost associated oh, with totally. that. totally. And, and it's time, mm. you know, and, and I've, you know. Yeah, and you have to wait because you can't start your innovation. Then you've got to line up your builder. You've got to line up all your trades. So it's actually very, you know, yeah. so like what sort of time period would you think is reasonable to expect. So if someone's looking at buying an apartment, for instance, thinking, well, I'm going to renovate this, what what do they have to be thinking in terms of time, in terms of how can they finally get, well, yeah, or how did, long is it going to take before they can well, start? exactly. And it depends on, I suppose, multiple things, of, yeah. as, as you just covered with how proactive the strata manager mm. is and, and the strata committee and, and the size of the block and, and all those sorts of things and how much other renovation has gone on before, yeah, yep. and also too, it does it does depend on the the mix of owners and versus tenants as well yep. in the block, because often the tenants will just say, well, whatever, and they they'll go with the flow. Mm. Often, you know, um, be but it'll be the owner occupiers, obviously, that will will mm. have more say and 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 want more restrictions and that sort of thing, which is fair enough. Um, but um, but look, it, it's it's. It's all in the pre-planning. So, you know, if you can get as much of, you know, your, in your before your settlement, if you say if it's a new purchase, mm-hmm. um, obviously they won't be able to approve works because you're not on title. Yep. But you can go a fair way to be able to, you know, if you are looking at doing things like structural changes, if it's vacant or even if there are tenants or the owned, previous owned vendors living there, they might still allow you access to be able to, yep. you know, get reports done, get trades in, so you can get some really good quotes so that you can provide, and I often find I provide the strata manager and the, and the body corporate with as much detail as possible, you if know, you get, plans you, and photos and anything that we can do to make sure it's a smooth process because mm. they just want to know at the end of the day is it going to be done according to, you know, to plan, to building code, um, waterproofing, yeah. all of those things um, that... You know, is is then so the actual the renovation time on an apartment can you know can be as quick as three to four weeks. Mm. You know what I mean? If it all goes according to plan and it's all scheduled well and managed yep. well and there's no dramas and no problems. It's like with anything, if the planning totally. of it is will save time in the actual renovate or execution. So with um, you know, let's say that you know, first impressions count with a lot of these buildings, right? Mm. Like if you're trying to resell Racial. it, 
one day, you know, and you really want to hit that owner occupying market, not so much on the investor side, but still, I, I believe, you know, they're going to walk in and they go, Oh, I love the gardens. Oh, I love the, totally. the feel of this building, etc." If you, for example, want to encourage your building to kind of get this facelift, right. You know, and do you want to get some other apartment owners on board? If you've say got 10 apartments, how many of those apartments do you need to agree for it to actually go ahead, you know, do you well, need generally all you've got 10? to have the money in, you know, you, they can, you can't do capital works unless there's money in, in the capital works fund. So, you know, major improvements as opposed to sort of the normal admin yep. and paying for, you know, common power and mm. things like that. But if you so, haven't got the money and you need mm. to raise a special levy because it's, you know, let's say it's a rendering or it's new gardens. Well, I can or, borrow. Or you yeah, can, yeah, and or you can borrow. That's but a really good point. But it's obviously, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be, I think it's at minimum sort of 75%, you know, um, and it's it's imagine it's it's really a matter of, you know, what's the return on investment for yep. this? You know what I mean? Is it going to provide greater amenity? Um, you know, is it? You know, I'm looking at the moment in a block, whether or not you know we've got um, uh, the bins and are sitting in a visitor's car spot <laughs> in a beachside suburb. So it's just it's ridiculous, mm. you know. So it's it's we're looking at we need to move them but we've got to rehouse them mm. and then sort of build something that we can obviously, because the bins, when the, the building was built in the, you know, late 60s, the bins were, you know, half Those a metre high. Those things. You know, and the now they're, you know, we've got 12 <laughs> bins of all different mm. colours. So it's all those sorts of things. So, you know, and that's an improvement, mm. but it's also a value add for the building because it means that there's an extra visitor spot. It was originally a visitor spot there, but it's just, it was, you know, used, repurposed. Um, but it's a matter of... Of actually, or um, and or in some cases, um, the opportunity for someone else to buy that space mm. in yeah. the block, and then that puts money back into the capital fund to be able to do these works. You know, there's mm. there's we've got a lot of things earmarked for the block I'm in at the moment that, you know, we want to do solar panels and all sorts of things, mm. but that's contingent on ideally money selling some of the common property. Mm. You know? you, you're obviously in a very progressive block where people are looking at value adds and maybe that's the location that you're in, you know, beachside, eastern suburbs, right? There are plenty of buildings where there's opportunity but there aren't necessarily owners that recognise that or yep. even have that sort of mindset where they will look for opportunity. Well, I think, yeah, I think that you're totally right because I think it's just, and it's maybe it's just a lack of awareness of, of what they could, could or, or do. Or seeing it as an asset. It's, they yeah. don't necessarily see the entire building and the fact that they're, they're a, a shareholder. Yeah. It's not Absolutely. quite the right terminology, but they own it, all own a piece of that. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, generally, you know, in, in more cases, you know, in, in your average size block, you're going to have maybe a 50-50 split or maybe even more of, you know, it might be more tenants. Whereas, so, you know, your investor, if they're not invested in living in that asset, they're possibly less <clears throat> likely to, you know, think, oh, we could utilise or repurpose some space or whatever it may be, unless it's raised to be able to then put money in the kitty to do extra improvements. Yeah. You know? uh, unfortunately, there aren't, I mean, strata managers aren't really paid enough to come up with these they ideas. They don't have the time. No. And they're not, they're not really engaged to come up with these no. ideas. There's actually nobody really professionally, mm. from what I can understand, that's yeah. involved in the management of these buildings, that that is their remit, you no. know. And so therefore it is up to the individual owners mm. to start yeah. looking at their buildings and say, well, do we have an asset here that we can improve upon? add value for all of us because there are investors and there are investors, right? So mm. totally. And, and I encourage every owner occupier to consider their home as an investment because, mm. there's, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. But um, but even as an investor, as an absentee owner, you know, to, to sort of just think, oh, I want to keep my costs down is is not – that's not yeah. an investor's mindset at all. But you know, again, an, an investor's comes... mindset is really how, how can we increase the capital totally. value of this place. But when you also – you look at your investors are varying age ranges mm. as well and, yep. you know, and, and there, there are some, you know, in, in other blocks I've worked with that they've been owner-occupiers that they're on a pension now. Yeah. So they don't have any – they may not have the extra cash mm. and they say, well, why would I put more money into this building? Mm. Um, and so that's where I, I'm trying to encourage people I'm obviously working with to really scope out their buildings to see, well, what, what could be utilised instead of it coming out of individuals' pockets and special mm. levies and, mm. and all those sorts of things. Because you have to put um, a case, don't you? And it's also, well... Oh, totally. And it's timing and, mm. and it costs because you've got to do a valuation. But, yep. 
it's really worth it, you know, to be able to do evaluation and in some cases you might have to do, get a, a survey done or, or, or whatever else. Um, and it can cost then, you know, drawing up bylaws and things like that. But it's worth the outlay. You know, obviously you can, you're going to do the due diligence on the on the return on investment if, it, yep. if it's worth it. But it's there is so much maintenance coming down the pipeline on a lot of these buildings. Yeah, so they're going to have to fund it some way. Yeah. You know, I, I know someone in a block that, you know, bought in, didn't do a check um, on the strata um, anyway, but um, and got it bought in, $30,000 levy. And didn't yeah. do a check. I mean, just mind-boggling that people would But it happened. It does happen a fair bit. And that's yeah. A, yeah. It's a big block. They're replacing all of the doors and windows. Wow, yeah. And, it's, it, you know, it's a capital works over mm. a long period of time. It's taking them about a year to do it. Yeah. What's the best way, do you believe, to do the checks though? Because, you know, there's obviously many ways you can do it yourself and there's other options. What do you think is the best way possible to really get to the guts of what's going on in that building? I think, honestly, a really good look around the building is is really the first point of call to you can see you know you can we've we've all gone to blocks where mm. the, the individual unit is renovated beautifully but then you know the the stairwell's horrible yeah. or it's yeah. not maintained or it's, it's true you know windows you know, are broken yeah. and you, you know and a you, story about yeah. when i was a sales agent like years ago and i had this saturday morning um appraisal i had to go to and it was this red brick horrible looking little block in um, Leichhardt and I pulled up at the front. It just looked like a drug dealer's haven. Like <laughs> I, honestly, I pulled up at the front and I Not actually, you know what that looks like. I rang <laughs> my, my then partner <laughs> and I said, if I don't call you back within wow. basically half an hour, you need to come and get me and this is where I am. This is back before you got tracked on your iPhone wow. and everything. <laughs> and, and I was that worried about going in there. And, mm. and I was on my own on a Saturday morning. So it's half an hour, like, I'm, oh, you're on wow. notice. Come and get me. Come and find me. Anyway, I go in there. <laughs> this little apartment. I ended up selling this this mm. apartment. He'd done the most amazing mm. renovation and it was so bizarre. It was just like yeah. like mm. a pearl in an oyster, you know. It yeah. was just mm. did this gorgeous renovation. He had these resin floors and did the, mm. the works. Wow. He went crazy. Um, you know, it, it was a challenge to sell, absolutely, mm. because everyone had the same hurdle to get over that yeah. I had. Mm. You know, we had to really use the photos to draw people. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it was like. I blindfold them. Just I to was the door. worried I, was I may say, not yeah, get sell out alive. Sell it at night time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, only open at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You do that sort of create the red carpet with the curtains yeah. on the side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but look, and even some, you know, Nate, I've been into a few blocks recently, and. That are, um, with a, with someone that was looking to buy, and and they presented reasonably well, and they were mm. a lot of red bricks, and they were neat and you know and oh, well maintained, very and everything, neat, yeah, you know, very neat, mm. and you know, and, and they weren't they're not overly stylish as you know like some of the deco entrances are and mm. things like that, but a couple of the stratas that we then did look at, and it was good. Some of the agents were just actually providing a report, which mm. was refreshing as well. That. Yes, but you know, there's reports. But there's also and there's bias, reports. I'm sure, yeah, well, in some it, cases. Even maybe. even without the bias, the problem is that you know they will go for. Obviously, you know, there's certain economies of scale in doing it that way. But you know, there are there are reports and there are reports. And I have to say, we've done episodes talking about mm. strata reports, and mm. I've actually got a little video talking about strata reports. Might even put that in the show notes. You know, it's what's not in them that's mm. important. Oh, and that's and the, the problem yeah. is people think they got one and so that's enough. They don't realise that, that that's only just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, totally, totally. So you've got the check the building though. You get the mm. download the strata report. Yep. What are, and, and then what do you do then? You know, I guess because, you know, a lot of buyers will be thinking, okay, Ooh, I've done, I've checked yeah. the strata, I've checked the building, it looks all okay, what Before else should I, I be do doing? Before I do the strata report or recommend anyone does, um, if, you know, depending on how serious they are with buying and, and what their purpose is as well, is always to make sure that just look online. We've got so many resources for that block. What other apartments have sold? What they've done to them? We're so lucky yeah, now with all the one. photos. Yeah, you can. So you do and floor plans and floor yeah, plans, yeah. and it's great because quite often you can go, oh, they did that. You know, one mm. floor down. Maybe we can do the same. Yeah. And so once the precedent's set, it also is well, a good indication. Well, that will be in the contract as well normally because yeah. those yeah. bylaws that they've had to submit. But sometimes some stratas don't haven't. You know, if the renos have been done. Prior, mm. there was no other extra bylaws done in prior some cases. What? They were done prior to what? Oh, you know, just some in some buildings didn't always require a specific renovation bylaw. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I f- yeah, I mean, I lot, guess it's a lot more prevalent now. 
Well, yeah, because they've got to cover themselves, you know, for all the damage that. Yeah, that because potentially... there was a few there was a few blocks that and that I've dealt with that they got burnt because of you know the two or three sales in. That's when problems started, and mm. it was like, well, who's 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 to blame? Who's you know? And it was and the owners. It was the owner's cost, yeah. the new owner's cost, mm. even though they hadn't done the renovations. Um, and that gets yeah. passed on anyway. Even a bylaw, t- totally. typically the bylaw does quite, it does step out who's responsible for yes. leaks and it basically takes responsibility from the owner's yeah. corporation, puts it on the renovator. Yeah. So, you, of course, as a buyer, you have to re- realise that if you're totally. buying a renovated yeah. property, you're then taking that responsibility yeah. on. and a lot of people don't understand that, mm. you know, mm. because I think they just think there is a lot of that, that, oh, I can buy it and I'll just do anything. And apart from the restrictions of yep. services, there's as one aspect. The physical restrictions. The physical yeah. restrictions of the building. Mm. It's also, well, yes, what, what else you're, it is allowable and acceptable. Mm. Um, you know, I was working on a building that um, one of the ten, and it was only that one of the other owners that lived there said to me in passing, oh, the people upstairs, the son's a, uh, an artist and he wants to put a kiln in the garage. Mm. I said, You've said no. And she said, oh, well, I don't know what it means. And I said, well, tell your strata manager no. You know, mm. Obviously that's, that's a whole other can of it's worms. It's an oven. It's excuse a, it's excuse a, it's the a, pun. It's a, yeah. Um, I guess I'm the, a client who was um, buying. What's the pun? Well, can, you know, painters can. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh that was a long bow. Too, too well. I got it. Um, the, um, you know, I guess a client was going to buy this uh, place in Malara and, uh, you know, he wants to buy, you know, he's very well trained up, knows what's a good property. And, um, you know, he's, <laughs> well, you, no doubt. well, yeah, I've trained him and, uh, <laughs> he's bought a few properties and mm. he's, 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 you know, he's very, very well, he's, he's pretty good. Uh, he was, whenever he sends me properties, he's like, you know, what do you think of this one? And they're usually really bang on oh, anyway. Good. So he was very close to going for this one in Malara and, uh, you know, there was this kind of amazing outdoor space on top of the garages that the real estate agent was selling and saying, look, you've got exclusive access mm. to this. It's on title. You know, here's the diagram, which is kind mm. of the selling brochure. It's drawn on there. Mm. Um, and he was a bit switched on. He realised that it wasn't on actually title. his. Yeah. You know, how common is that? And, you know, how, how do you actually really protect yourself around whether it's on title? Have you got exclusive access? You know, can well, you, you get it on you, title? Your conveyancer or lawyer, when you're reviewing your contract, should be able to pick that up pretty quickly. Yeah, it's, on, um, so, it's in the contract. But it's again, a bylaw. Yeah, it's, but again, it's it's that of knowing that, mm. that, you know, most people just believe the brochure. I've got like, an example. shiny brochure. I've got an absolute example. So in one of the episodes of the show, Location, 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 I was helping Farmer Dave. I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. I'm not sure. Sorry for listeners if you've heard this <laughs> one before. Um, so I was helping Farmer Dave buy a villa or a townhouse up in Byron Bay. And we filmed this particular one and, and on the brochure there's got this uh, courtyard with, with a deck and a garden and an outdoor shower and everything and a wall and a fence and that's on the brochure, on the floor plan. It states existing use rights of this courtyard um, and I get the contract because we were going to go for it and I turn to the easements and the bylaws mm-hmm. and all the rest of it and I see that, yes, indeed, there is a bylaw giving exclusive use rights to this and they typically have a sort of a clause that you can only you can only it can only be reversed if there's a hundred percent vote and obviously you're never ever going to vote to reverse your exclusive use rights so that's sort of the protection that's quite Mm. often what Mm. you see something along those lines in there um so anyway in this particular case yes indeed it was there there was a diagram etc etc the only problem the diagram was of the deck not of the garden and the outdoor shower mm. and the fence and the gate um and so I brought that to the attention of the lawyer now the lawyer of course have gone oh so you got an outdoor space yeah i oh, yeah, i oh, hear it is you know, the lawyer hadn't said, oh, can I see the floor plan? What are they advertising? He hadn't sort of put two and two together. Mm. And he went, oh, well, thanks for bringing that to my attention. Mm. Turned out the previous owner, so the person selling it, had also bought it under those circumstances and it, no, no one had actually yep. it flown under the radar because it's like, oh, you got an outdoor space. Did you see that? Yes. Okay. They didn't go, well, what is the actual dimensions of that? Exactly what is your expectation of where that is? You know what I yep. mean? There was none of those additional questioning. Mm. So, yeah, that was, and that was like news to everybody. Mm. The agent had no idea. I mean, mm. the agent should have because the agent should have looked at the contract. Um, mm. But my understanding Depends. of a lot of the council stuff that hasn't been approved is if you buy it and someone's disclosed that to you that it hasn't been approved, 
that's actually okay. You've then just got to disclose it when you sell it. Is that true? Just to a degree, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's all this sort of disclosure stuff, and if you don't disclose, and you should yes. have disclosed, and there's recourse and all that sort of stuff. But this is more in the case of everyone this assumption that oh, there's an outdoor space, and mm. no one ever thought to actually check exactly the quantum of that mm. outdoor space. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there could have been recourse if somebody decided, oh, I don't like you having your fence there, farmer. Oh, he didn't buy it anyway. But yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. but you know, and it was just that thing that solicitors had seen the contract. Yeah, you know, but because then the previous... they don't know the property. They're exactly going off. Right. They're, yeah, that's right, they're, yeah. they're going off what they've been given. And this is why it's really important. You know, I know the difference when a solicitor who does a lot of property and go back to episode is it fifty three with Jenny mm. Tonner, uh, mm. who's a conveyancer. You know, what is it thirty years experience or whatever? Yeah. I mean, she's mm. loads of experience. Mm. And and somebody who's been doing just property, whether it be a conveyancer or a, a property specialist, accredited property property specialist lawyer. They will ask those questions because they'll know that that sort of thing can happen. But if mm. it's just your generalist down the road or your solicitor thinks that they do a bit of everything, they won't necessarily realise how easy it is to get mm. tripped up by something like that. No. I was just, um, a client's just literally bought an apartment on the weekend um, and it's a very nice art deco, art deco, art deco, mm. um, <laughs> but the parking. Mm. Um, you know, you mentioned something about checking. Scramble? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Um, you know, I, you know, a lot of people are busy, right? You're you're going around to six or seven opens on a Saturday, mm. and you know, you got eleven to eleven fifteen. Like mm. only fifteen minute opens, yeah. which is Ridiculous. very tight. Half an hour. Oh. No, fifteen minutes. Sales, Rent- rentals are fifteen. Yeah. Rentals minutes. are fifteen minutes. Sales <laughs> are half an hour. Well, okay. Used to be forty five minutes in the okay, old days. Well, yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah, let's say it's half an hour, right? Um, but yeah, but then you've got to drive to the other one, and they're all mm. at half, and they're all so, at eleven o'clock too. Yeah, yeah. Really and then, you're in traffic. Yeah, yeah. so you really well, you only got like five ten minutes because you've got I've got to see one eleven, one eleven thirty. So that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So you've got to be in and out, and you're probably and even if it's the right one, mm. you, you know you you like, I love this, but I've got to go to the other one. Mm. So sometimes people just I know they would would get a bit lazy totally. and go oh I've got parking it's downstairs. We don't really need to see it. How, how, yeah. Parking, parking. Yeah, or the agent points out the window and says it's at the end. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You know, um, go and have a look on your way out and they go, oh, yeah, there's parking here. Mm. And they walk away. But obviously that's a pretty crazy thing to do, but people would do it, right? Because they're busy and they've got, they want to buy it on the Saturday and, you know, if, you know, and it's a hot property. They've got to get off the market and just assume it's right. But you should really <laughs> check the parking because, I mean, this client... <laughs> Can I tell you, like, <laughs> so there was this building in Balmain and I looked at this apartment down Balmain East, actually. I took a photo and stuck it on Facebook. It was a number of years ago now. It was hilarious because exactly that. I, I, where is the park, car space? I want to go and see it. So I go mm. and see this car space. And the ramp coming down into the car park yeah. overlapped the car space. Wow. This is the very end car space. Just so for the, a mini then. The, yeah, well, not even, not a mini with a bonnet, put it that oh. way. And so they had... The tenant had like a small car but didn't completely fit in the spot and they had a massive big wad of like foam that they taped to the edge of this, this oh, bit of yeah. concrete basically wow. underneath the ramp. Because they basically nudged their car in too far and they will be scraping their bonnet without a doubt. But they couldn't get even a, like a, a little hatch fully in the space. Well, yeah, on exactly time right. on a floor plan, there it is. It's got but a the floor 30... plan would have showed that it's 15 square metres or whatever it is. Yeah, it, exactly but right. But it wouldn't have shown the no, overhang. it didn't. The, it didn't say that you can't actually wow. get anything bigger than a smart car in there. Well, mm. luckily, like, yeah, the client did test it, right? And so I was chatting to her yesterday about it and she said, look, you know, um, the, the buyer's agent has a big, you know, Audi sort of thing. Mm. He's trying to get in, but um, he couldn't get his car in. He said, I'll get in it. And um, <laughs> Gets up there and tries to reverse and then gets stuck and, you know, it was a bit quite funny and then he's kind of apparently had to kind of come out with his tail between his mm. legs and said, well, I couldn't get in. And that's um, a, st- a standard size problem. Yeah, he, yeah, but mm. then she has a, a small car and so she tries and she couldn't get in. Oh, wow. And so, um, you know, mm. and at least she knew that. She ended up buying the place anyway, right, because – you know, of the, the apartment and where it is and the uniqueness of the building, et cetera. Clearly the, there's but, no car space. But really mm. she she bought it knowing that it's not really a car space. And, you know, like, you know, yeah, whether that's a good it's investment a decision or not. It's a value but, difference, isn't mm, it? Yeah, it is. Massive. But, but she's factored that in and she had that decision. But let's say she didn't. Yes. Yeah. And she went and actually settled on the property. Six weeks later, she's driving in, going to unpack her car and can't she park. can't park in. Mm. And so it's just probably a mistake that, you know, you know, it, very easily she could have missed that. 
but it would have made yeah. a huge difference because once you sign the contract, obviously it's done. That's happening a lot in not only in in purchases but yeah. in rentals too. That yeah. you know that the old garages of the blocks from the sixties and that sort of thing, they were built for a sedan, small mm. smallish car, nothing. You know, none of the four wheel drives or anything. No, they're not in, high enough. <laughs> or they yeah. can't get in. The, mm. the, the you know the tilter door doesn't open or so that's. A lot of and people don't look at that when they're renting either. And mm. where I am, I know that's happened in a, in a couple of people's blocks in the area. And they say, "Well, we've got a garage, but we have to park on the street." Well, I was yeah, I was looking at a, an apartment for a client, investor client, and it was actually in Potts Point some years back, and and a beautiful apartment. Really mm. loved it, and I knew he'd love it. And <laughs> go to look at the parking it was actually it was a stacker. No, I oh. don't. I do not like stackers, but this was mm. hilarious. Because this stacker was such that you basically could get maybe an MX-5 in it, like a basically yeah, a tiny. very squat car, not even a hatch. It was so short. Mm. Like, so it was basically you, you got, mm. I don't even know how you get out of it. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, it was just a, a nightmare. But how did that get approved? You and know, I'm you, like, yeah, exactly. Wonder. How can you count that as a stacker? How, you know, mm. like the toy car. <laughs> three cars in it instead of two. And I was like, that is just going to limit your tenants. Mm. It's going to, you know, the sort of yeah, person. point. Yeah. I mean, parking. Mm. You know, Crucial. Yeah. Um, you know, you're paying for it. And so we didn't buy it on, on the basis of a ridiculous stacker. Have you seen the uh, the stackers in New York, though? There's uh, So you kind of have these latest new high-rise kind of, you know, ultra no. kind of wealthy apartments. Right. They, um, so you drive your Ferrari or your whatever in and then it lifts your uh, car up to your level so you can have it in your lounge room. Excellent. So it's called like a sky garage. Oh, and so you wankers. can show off your car, off like your six, car. I'm level 66. Oh, my God. I've uh, got my new Bentley and I've just, yeah. you know, look look at me and I go, and I go, it's like, that's pathetic. If you can afford that sort of car, you, to actually have to show it off is really, really sad. Yeah. <laughs> Every week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing a whole lot of money and or a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. Please, Justine, can you give us an example of a property dumbo? We can all learn what not to do from these stories. Look, there's probably a few, um, but without obviously naming anyone. Um, probably one of the... What, um, there's people that we'd know? Um, oh, no, not particularly that you know, but they would know if they listened to this. Um, the, um, well, they should, clearly, by the sounds right. of it. Yeah. Yes. Um, Probably one that's, you know, it's always and it covers many things is that a, and it wasn't someone that I'd, um, I came across them after they'd purchased. Mm. And in, in all, in all um, I suppose, it ticked all the boxes for a good investment. You know what I mean? It was a good solid unit, good build, ugly-ish. It was the mustardy coloured brick. You oh, know? yes. But still good bones, yeah, yeah. good location. Back. Yeah. <laughs> the and new... I saw a car that colour the other yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> but it, um, and she had bought, um, it was a bit of an impulse. She'd done a fair bit of renovating of homes mm-hmm. and her own home and a holiday home and, and then decided the market was starting to heat up. So it was about, it was probably maybe maybe sort of three-ish, maybe about three-ish years ago, three, four. Mm. And she just said, right, I'm going to do an apartment because I know I can do it a lot so quicker. So we've got overconfidence bias, we've got oh, FOMO. Oh, there's, there's, it, it covers <laughs> all, all, of, the, biases all of the yeah. biases. And she came, so she bought it for an ad auction. So there was no cooling off. Um, she there had been other renovations in the block, so she had sort of done a quick due diligence, literally like the day before. Yeah, had seen it. The agent sort of agreed and said, "Yes, other people have renovated in the block." Mm. That's nice of them. That's right, <laughs> because they were just. And that was the truth. That what was else? The truth. Yeah. Um, so once she gets to that point of you know the, she's in her process of then planning the renovation. But what she wanted to do, she wasn't keeping it as an investment because it was rock solid for an investment. Mm. Ticked all the boxes, location, infrastructure, you name it. She wanted to flip it. And she she was determined that that's what she was going to do mm. with all the on costs and everything else. She said, but what she needed to do was put a second toilet in. And she'd also thought, I can rejig the floor plan and make it into a three-bedder. Mm. Anyways, she came across my attention because well, someone we had in common said to ring me for mm. some advice to see if I thought it was possible. If, if After she, was, she bought it or before? Well, she'd bought it. Okay. Yep. But it was in, this Being is, there. This yep. is she's, Auction. she's not Dumb. in the settlement. Yes. She's, she hasn't settled. Right. So she hasn't got any outgoing costs yet. Um, 
anyway, so we went through obviously and she just said, well, I just thought I could do that and I could, you know, I could do another toilet there, which we said, no, you can't do that because it's in a completely different spot. And if it was a house, yeah. plumbing, yes, you could, but it's not. Totally so different. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, right. Like an eco-toilet. So she'd done all the figures. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what, no, trust me, she sent Ew. me brochures. I got it all about oh. the Sani flow or some, oh some system yeah. that's, you know, you can imagine like the strata compost. agreeing oh. to that. They just yeah. went. No. In your dreams. Even, even <laughs> we'd done some preliminary, because I'd known the Strata company from a couple of other blocks, so we'd at least tried to get a gauge from them as to before we put a, a plan, you know, a plan What will your in, attitude be towards you know, what do you think? a sunny flow? You know, a, <laughs> funnily enough, 100% no. Um, but, um, but the other one was, so she'd done all the numbers on basically flipping it quickly, turning it into a three-bedder, which it, it wasn't a big enough living mm. space then. Yeah, it was then really, It was just yeah. too unbalanced and it was point. and it wasn't a deco block yeah. and, you know, that's not, you could get away with it sometimes. Anyway, so the long and the short of it, she obviously she had she went through with the sale um, and she did a very good, she couldn't do the third bedroom because it also meant it was cutting across one of the windows. <laughs> so oh. she'd said, oh, well, I'll just change the window and, and Strata oh went, well, no, God. you won't because it's. You can see that window. This made all these assumptions. Well, it was, yeah. and that was, and it was just if it had been a quick call before that, we would have been able saved herself. Yeah. And yeah. so, did she flip it? She did. She made any money? It was. It was probably. It wasn't a loss, but it was only because Timing I introduced market. it to a couple of buyers agents who bought it for an investor after she'd renovated, so she didn't have to pay. So the selling so fees, the selling costs. So she did lose money because there's opportunity costs and there's also the, oh, fact the time, that time and, yeah, yeah, you know, and and the stress of it yeah. all and and everything oh, else. So and she's just lucky to to cover a cost. So it was a it was an expensive learning mm. curve. And funnily enough, she said, "I think I'll stick with houses after that." So I think why well, you. Probably a saving grace. It probably sounds like she bought at a reasonable time in the cycle. She was yeah. lucky because she yeah. and she knew she was in in and look, it just kept it did keep going and going. If she probably held it for a year. She possibly could have made some, yeah. some serious money. Yeah, but that. if she'd but bought it at the end of 2016 with all the same assumptions, she would have yeah. lost money. Totally. Mm. The flipping so. is, you know, it's um, the block makes it seem so simple, but you know, <laughs> really, it's um, the block shouldn't be on every year. The block should only be every, you know, or pick us up, at least yeah. pick a market that's oh, actually growing. Right. There was one um, season where they all passed in. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, that was. An, and then the following year, all the reserves suddenly plummeted. So, mm. so of course, it's going to sell because the reserves a joke. But yeah, they all passed in. Was that in. the block that it was in um, Melbourne? Or was that the was that the nine. Richmond? No, the one that where they were across the road from the Coles complex. I can't mm. remember to be oh, honest. Like a great Richmond. spot. Opposite Coles. Yeah. Um, well, that, but that was the thing. A lot of people didn't know that. And yeah. then when they went there and, you know, and had thousands of people at the opens and everything. Well, the crowd of friends who lived down Coles there signage. went, you know, that there's just a constant snaking of traffic yeah. going into in and out of that car park like the whole weekend. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, good to yeah. know. I no, see. it's, um, well, I probably shouldn't say things like this, but I mean, a, a client who was probably ex <laughs> on, the, on the producer's side, well, kind of knows. What's going on at the block? Um, you know, apparently a lot of the stuff just gets redone. You know, a lot of the internally, it's the, you know, they you mean, realize television renovations aren't all hundred yeah. percent. It's um, correct. there's you know, there's Gosh. actually builders on site redoing work and and stuff like that because a lot of the stuff is it's get it done, but then this is not going to be able to sell or it's not done yeah. right or the material's not done or it's not approved. Well, when you've got you know twenty or thirty trades all stepping over each other and time yeah. frames and, mm. and everything else. It's, you know, you're bound to have a lot of issues. Mm. <laughs> yes, shall yeah. we say. Fantasy and reality are yeah. a bit different. Um, yeah. Ratings. Ratings and reality. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, listen, that's been a very informative chat, Justine. Thanks, We've yeah. covered, mm. oh, Enjoyed God, it. you know. We uh, could still go. <laughs> well, yeah. clearly, like, like with so many, because we have people that come on that have got expertise and you clearly have, you know, got loads of expertise in this area. I think it's a really good thing for people to understand the complexities and I think we just scratched the surface today. So obviously yeah. we'll we'll put links in the show notes on how people can contact right. you if they're yeah. thinking about doing something like this. Um, and, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We want to make you a better elephant rider and this week's elephant rider training is... Well, further to a lot of the conversation we just had with Justine around, you know, what do you need to look into when you're buying into a, a strata building, particularly when you're looking to renovate? Um, one of the things that that 
I often talk to with my clients is that sometimes you get these older buildings and they are a bit run down. I mean, they either have been predominantly in history owned by more investors than owner-occupiers or a lot of the owners are really old and, you know, they're on the pension. They don't have a lot of money to spend maintaining and upgrading foyers and gardens and all that sort of thing. But depending on where they're located, fundamentally they're, they're ends up being a shift, a shift in ownership. You know, as properties become more expensive, investors are less likely to, you know, buy into them, for instance, or it might be that uh, as these older people, you know, move on, shall we say, that the properties get sold and younger, you know, first home buyers, et cetera, buy into them. So there is a bit of research you can do and sometimes there is a good upside when you're looking at a a building that may be a bit shabby now but actually has had recently some change of ownerships, some newer people getting into the building. Those people are, you know, maybe likely to be more active on the strata on the committee, for instance, and you might find that there's a new wave of interest and activity in the building and in, in upgrading that building. So that is something to, to look for. You know, don't just completely discount a building if it's looking a bit shabby. They can be tired um, for lots of reasons. It's not always because it's a bad building to buy into. So I would encourage you just to consider whether there's an upside in some cases, depending on location, of course. Please join us for our next episode when we interview Balaji Gopal. Now, Balaji is from Vanguard and Vanguard invented the index fund or or ETFs. Now, we have spoken about ETFs and index funds in a number of our episodes in the past. And what we're going to do is explore exactly what these funds are. And as we often do, we talk about the similarities and differences between investing in something like this versus property, when you might want to go for one versus the other, how they may fit together. And I'm sure you will find it very, very valuable. Don't forget we're on all the social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Or you can connect with us on theelephantintheroom.com.au. The links are all there for you. Please connect and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The Elephant in the Room Property Podcast is recorded at the Sydney Sound Brewery. This week's podcast was recorded by John Resk, editorial by Gordy Fletcher. Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.